This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers' afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another episode of Steelers' afternoon drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That's Alan Saunders. Alan, uh, not the week one that I think Steelers fans wanted, hoped for, thought we would see. Uh, don't even know where to start with this as you take your afternoon drive from the Steelers facility. Uh, where do we start? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Mike Tyson, uh, who is not one of uh, is that your, uh... the, the greater uh, wordsmith of my lifetime, but I believe those words fit pretty good for this situation. I don't even think we can really assess the full damage you ever you ever like see like when they have like a like a natural disaster or something like you know the body count day one we never know right it's always just like mm-hmm. uh it's unknown that, that's that's where we're at right now i think with the pittsburgh steelers that was a disaster it was not a natural disaster this one was man-made um but it was a disaster that is of yet unknown proportions right i think that's the thing that I, I have to, to take away from that game is that it was so bad and it was so bad so fast that mm-hmm. it's honestly hard to even – like if you're evaluating the Steelers' offense, there are only 12 snaps in that game that mattered. After the first 12 snaps, yeah. it was there down by 20 points. You can't even like – you can't even really judge what the offense did after 12 snaps. Um so not good uh how not good exactly i think very much still up in the air but i'm sure we can get into sort of the how and why here and then maybe what it means going forward alan san fran had over 200 yards in this football game before the steelers had two yards in this football game um when you're looking at an offense, I think the first thing that you look at is going to be the quarterback. So Kenny Pickett's performance in this one, very poor, uh, to say the least. I thought between this game and going back to last year, the game against the Eagles were probably his two worst games as a pro up to this point. Uh, I mean, and what did you see from him? Because it just seemed very uncharacteristic as well. Like we all look at Kenny and say, okay, maybe not the greatest arm strength. There's some physical limitations, but the accuracy was way off. Like even with clean pockets yesterday, how does, you know, how does that happen in, in a game? Like randomly, you know, is it just one week? Is this something that you think is going to continue going forward? Why did this happen the way that it did yesterday? I uh, think that's the, that's the big unanswerable question right now. I don't think we know why it happened. I don't know why it happened. I did not see this coming. Um, I was very confident coming into this game in the Steelers. I thought they would play well. I thought they would win that game. Um, not only did they not win that game, they never even came remotely close to being competitive. I, I can't recall Kenny Pickett playing that badly in a game 
that I covered him. And if you look like statistically, like the 2018 ACC championship game, there's a 2020 game against Clemson that was pretty bad. But like those games had massive disparities of talent across the board. Um, Mm -hmm. This game did not. Uh, This was, I mean, the 49ers are the better team. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, But this is not like, you know, some team that the Steelers can't be on the field with. And boy, he was just atrocious. I can't even really, there was no, no part of the job of quarterback that I think he did well. He didn't read defense as well. He didn't find open receivers. When he did find open receivers, he didn't hit them with the pass. I thought he looked antsy in the pocket. Um, like this sort of weird, just out of sorts, right? Where he would like come off a read too soon and then go back to it. Or sometimes he would stay on a read or you know, try to go through his progressions like so fast. He was actually holding on to the ball too long because he was getting to mm-hmm. too many of them. And um, he never once looked comfortable, never once looked sure of what he was doing and man it was just it, honestly it could have been worse because like like i said like that they, they go into basically like they're playing cover three the whole game but they kind of go into bail like you know in the second quarter where yeah. you know, if you look at the stats it's not so embarrassing because he ends up completing a bunch of passes because they were giving him 10 yard cushions on the outside for three quarters you know, and so if you're looking at the stats from this game, they're not really going to tell you much because so little of what Pickett did was against the defense that was trying. And and Pickett, the entire offense, you really can only look at 12 snaps. I mean, I, I think the, the game is over at 20 to nothing, basically. I'd have to yes. look up the numbers on how often you come back from that. But I bet it's maybe one in 100, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't happen very much. Yeah, two interceptions. Could have had a third one. Fred Warner actually dropped one. That was the most interceptable of the three of them. Yeah, yeah, literally right in his hands. And it's Fred Warner. So, like, yeah, absolutely stunning that he didn't have three in this one. Uh, Kenny Pickett against pressure, though. This is like Josh Carney tweeted this out. He was 13 of 17 for 135 yards, 76.5 completion percentage, 7.9 yards per attempt. So that's why I mentioned, you know, even when he, to me, looked worst when he wasn't pressured in the inaccuracy in the pocket when there was really nobody in his face. I don't know what, if it was like his processing, if he was creating pressure that wasn't there, you know, to, uh, to reference Sam Darnold here, if he was seeing ghosts in this game or what it was, but man, I just, it, so it's is that against pressure. Is that against like an extra rusher or is that just, I don't know how they're defining that there. Um, um yeah, I don't know what he's referencing. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I have, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it was not good. It was it was not good. And you know, it was a game where I felt like the Steelers. Like, I, on one hand, I want to be very clear that that about how bad Kenny Pickett was because it's not just notable in in comparing him to his previous self in his career. It is the mm-hmm. single most disastrous possible outcome for this team this season is that Kenny Pickett turns out not to be the guy. I mean, that is the absolute worst-case scenario for the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, But having said that, lots and lots of other guys had bad games too, and I don't want to just gloss Mm -hmm. over all of them. I mean, but the offensive line was extremely poor. They did a fair job with Nick Bosa and a 
basically awful job with everybody else. I don't think either Najee Harris or Jalen Warren had a lot of running room to work with. Also, neither of them. And Warren had that one run where he broke it outside, but he got great blocking on that run. Like, that that was – neither of those guys were making people miss or breaking tackles, which is what you want your running backs to do to elevate the the game. You know, if it's blocked for three yards, the Steelers got three yards. And you need, at some point, your running backs to break a couple that are not blocked that well. I don't think they did that. I didn't think the receivers helped pick it that much either. There were, you know, some catchable balls that hit the ground. There was uh, the team apparently wearing the wrong cleats for the first half and Deontay Johnson and Pat Farmers falling down on bo- what were both a mm-hmm. catchable balls. Certainly uh, the one to Farmers, especially a very, very catchable ball and uh, creates a third down, a fourth down. The other one goes for an interception when Johnson falls down. Like, nothing at all went right for the Steelers. They won the coin toss, and it was downhill from there. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was so weird on the coin toss, too, and maybe this didn't take you by surprise, but they wanted the football. I was like, wow, I can't believe they want the ball after winning the toss. Was that trying to m- make a statement, like, with the offense, obviously coming with all the with everything they did so well in the preseason? They were like, we want the ball to try to prove that that wasn't a fluke? Or, like, what do you think the reason was they wanted the ball? I don't, I don't You know, I think it, that's one of those weird things that's like, it, it goes back and forth in the NFL as to, like, which way is currently in vogue to answer that question. I think the mm-hmm. right answer is to almost always defer, but, like... I would agree. It, it, it doesn't matter that much. Like, it, you know, you get the ball once either way. The, the one mm-hmm. thing I, I like about deferring is that it gives you, you know, it gives you more information later in the game when you can make a decision about what you want to do at the end of the first half knowing that you'll get the ball back. But I, yeah. I don't think it matters that much. But I, it's not what the Steelers have usually done. So I guess mm-hmm. that's why it, it stood out to some people. But, um, yeah, it's it's certainly – it was bad. Like every part of what Mike Tomlin had a, a very poor challenge. Like, there was no kickoff returns. Like, if you're – T.J. Watt. Like, there's so few positives from that game that you really have to, like, stretch and grab and claw to find them. Yeah, so the positives that I came out of there with were T.J. Watt, I thought. I mean, based off PFF grade, he had one of his three best games of his career. And one of those, he only played 16 snaps in. It was against the Raiders in the home opener two years ago. It was that week eight against Miami in 2019 in this game, the top three graded games of his career. I thought Darnell Washington looked pretty good as a blocker at times, um, especially he put Nick Bosa in the ground at once. And then Calvin Austin getting his feet wet. You know, after Deontay Johnson went down with injury, Calvin Austin was thrust into having to play 35 snaps in this game. And I didn't think he looked out of place. So I thought those, to me, were really like the three things grasping for straws here that I was walking away with positives. Yeah, I'm not even sure I would be so kind with Austin. I thought he was okay. Um, There were a couple things when I went back and looked at the film that, like, you know, he kept that wide receiver screen in the first quarter and needs to get wider. And, and, you know, give his blockers more time to set that up. Uh, there was a crossing route on the third down where he kind of stopped in the middle and he really needed to keep going to to give Pickett two different options between him and I think it was Frymuth that was behind him. 
I thought it was okay. I, I don't know that I'd say it was good. Anthony McFarland was definitely good, both as a kickoff returner yeah. and, and as a running back. I thought he was sort of one of the unmitigated positives. Uh, very few other than that. You know, when we, we can talk about the defense some, you know, Alex Highsmith, tough assignment, man. I think we'll, we'll give him mm-hmm. a mulligan on Trent Williams. But basically zero in terms of splash, noticeable, big plays, big efforts from anyone in the entire middle of the defense at three levels. Basically, if you heard a Steelers defensive lineman, inside linebacker, or safety's name called, it was not for a good reason in that game. The one play I can think of was a Landon Roberts stopping McCaffrey trying to jump over the pile on the first third and one. And I thought it was very funny to me because the 49ers were like, oh, oh, that guy's good at that. And then the very next play, they motioned George Kittle to get him into uh, Robert's zone and throw a little dump off in the flat for 11 yards to convert the first down on fourth and one. It's like, oh, that guy? Yep. All, right, all right, you got to go around him, not at him. Got it. Otherwise, nobody else in that entire three levels of the center of the defense even made them go around. Like, at least Robert's stopped them at one thing. Nobody else even stopped them at anything. There was no pressure from the defensive line. They stuffed no run plays. The other linebackers didn't cover anyone, didn't break up any passes, didn't stick anybody in the running game. The safeties, I don't know if either safety ever even entered the picture at any point in that game. I can't even really remember it happening. Where was Is that the worst game Mika Fitzpatrick has ever played, just in terms of impact? I'm not saying he was specifically, yeah. like, making mistakes or was bad. But he was never anywhere near the ball. Like, it was like he wasn't even there. Uh, three levels of defense were atrocious. I thought Patrick Peterson was sort of the ultimate, like, high and low, where he did make a couple of nice plays. Falls, I mean, I cannot believe that we're talking about a team, like, with the wrong cleats in their own stadium. I don't even know how that ever happens. He did get cooked by Ayuk on the other one, fair and square. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, Levi Wallace had a struggle all day. I, you know, it, it, there's almost no one on that team that should feel even like okay about the way they play. Like it's, it's basically none. I wanted to bring up Minka real quick too because I thought it was interesting. I don't know if this took you by surprise, but how much he played in the slot because we've been having a conversation about who was going to be that slot corner. He Minka played quite a bit there in week one. Yeah, so they played the three-safety nickel a good bit, and when they did that, mm-hmm. it was Neal as like a half-field strong safety and KZ as like a half-field free safety with Minka kind of been freed up to either be like a like a, a robber kind of middle zone guy or to be the slot guy, depending on the way the other personnel lined up. You know, the 49ers, compared to most teams, don't use a third receiver that much. Juwan Johnson plays – you know, a good bit, but they also use Ustek, um, you know, about half the time. And so I was interested. I put in my pregame primer, like, how will Terrell Austin deal with the presence of a fullback? Because usually Steelers fullback means base defense, right? Like, because that means that there's not three receivers on the field. Um, but based it, I mean, the, but that's exactly what we saw in that fourth and one where it was base defense. And then you get Roberts on Kittle, which is a huge mismatch. 
So I thought the Steelers would try that three safety nickel as an alternative to that for those heavier packages, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think they did that. I think they made that adjustment. But the problem was the game got out of hand so fast, there wasn't any time to make any adjustments in game. And that's why I opened with what I opened. Everybody had a plan, so we got smacked in the mouth. And unfortunately, if you can recall watching Mike Tyson fight in the 1990s, I know I'm dating myself here, Sonny, but you didn't get a chance to make adjustments. You got hit, and then people were grousing about paying $50 for pay-per-view that lasted nine seconds. And that's what we got. That what we got for Steelers 49ers was a Mike Tyson fight. You paid a lot of money to go watch your guy fight, and it even lacked the whole first round. Like that's what we saw. And so I did think we saw those adjustments throughout the game, and that's why you know it wasn't it was 17 nothing ten minutes in. That's why it didn't finish 90 to nothing, right? Um, yeah. But man, I mean, I can't really take any solace in that either. Uh, I think that's that's a great way to put it. I mean, you look at just even like field position where they were opening up, how many plays they ran in Steelers territory, and I think that's part of it too. Oh, I want to like, talk about the field position too here, right? Do you remember yeah. the Buffalo preseason game, right, where the offense scores, okay, and then the defense uh, shuts them down, and then you get a a punt return, uh, and then same thing in that Atlanta one too. It was the same thing. It was like offense score, defense stop. Big punt mm-hmm. return, and then you set the offense up in great field position the second time, then get another score right away, right? And it was like three phases working together. And what you saw in this game was three phases just taking turns screwing one another, right? Like the first third down, Pickett's in the pocket. He has a pretty clean pocket. It's third and five or six, and he chooses not to throw to Calvin Austin underneath. It was short of the sticks. It might have been, you know, a yard short okay but it would have been then fourth and one punting from the 40 yard line instead he runs around takes a 10 yard sack then uh the punt almost gets blocked and presley harvin kicks a 34 yarder and i'm not gonna put that one on him because there was pressure right in his face and he had to kick it off the left um so now you've got the ball the the 49ers start the first drive at the Steelers 46 yard line or at their, mm-hmm. their 46-yard line. Okay, then they score, and now we've got an interception when Deontay Johnson falls down. Now they're in plus territory to start the second drop. I mean, the, the defense was terrible. Don't don't get me wrong, but they also were set up to fail by the offense and the special teams on, on those first two drives, and then you're down 10 nothing already. I mean, I, I think it was a, a sort of master class in how not to play – complimentary football yeah if i were teaching kids how to not play football i would show them this game and i would show them the giants against the cowboys on sunday night football i think those are the two best examples maybe I mean, a little bit that around the nfl like like the funniest thing about that game is like look like the giants got beat worse uh kenny pickett 25th in passer rating after one game you know who 26 and 27 are deshaun watson and joe burrow <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> Like, I don't know. It's a very weird week one in the NFL. I think that is the one area where you can just sort of take some solace and say it's one week. That plan didn't work. We got an extra day here before the Browns to figure it out. Got to come up with something. Um, I am – and it was asked this uh, by Jenna Harder in the final word last night. Um, 
you know, did we overrate the Steelers or underrate the 49ers? And I, I kind of went with neither. I think this is a good Steelers team that didn't play very well. And I think the 49ers are a good team that played extremely well considering their circumstances. Quarterback coming off an injury, George Kittle banged up, Nick Bosa not playing. No, that seemed to matter. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, like that optimism of, hey, this is a better team than what we saw on the field, things just didn't go the way they wanted to. That's not going to last very long. You figure it out quick. Yeah. And, you know, not only like losing this game and losing the way that they did is one thing. Coming out of it with injuries is another. Um, I wanted to touch on those as well because this is a team that we've talked about going into week one, extremely healthy, like except for the Corey Trice junior season long injury, a little bit of question mark with Larry Ogunjobi's foot, though we did see him in week one, extremely healthy. And then we get out of week one here today. Deontay Johnson gets hurt in this game. Cam Hayward gets hurt in this game. Pat Frymuth gets hurt in this game. Chooks a core for in concussion protocol late. Uh, and then Miles Boykin and James Daniels today with with boots on their foot. I mean, what what, what do we make of this? And you know, obviously we'll hear from Tomlin tomorrow and maybe give us a little bit of clarity, but man, a lot of those are injuries that this team just cannot afford. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was very noticeable right away when Cam Hayward wasn't out there. Couldn't uh, sound way worse for the defense. I mean, it's going to be a baptism by fire for a guy like Keona Benton. Um, it, it was a struggle for him at times, I thought. Uh, and that's not necessarily his fault, you know. At Farmer, we saw a lot more of Darnell Washington. I thought he did okay, but did he run a route? I mean, it was all blocking. I thought we knew mm-hmm. he could do that. Calvin Austin, like I said, up and down, has to do a lot more with Deontay Johnson out. These are young players that I think the Steelers like and they feel good about. I know the fan base is excited. Roderick Jones got in for four snaps there after Chooks went down. We can put him in that bucket too. Um, where I know the fan base is excited about these players, and I think that they're going to be good players, and I know the Steelers like them, but there are good reasons why those guys were not the first options at their positions this year, and we're going to see them if they have to play. Like that, they're they're going to be growing pains. The one area, you know, talking about these young guys, I was really surprised by the lack of snaps for Joey Porter Jr. That really surprised me. I was not expecting that. Um, but like we said, they did go to the three safety nickel instead of the, yeah. and then Shannon Sullivan. So like we talked about before, you kind of get the three nickels, right? The heavy one, the regular one, which would be Sullivan is the nickel, and then kind of the light nickel, which is Porter and Peterson out there together. And, you know, I, I guess they're having a hard time stopping the run. So maybe you don't want to go light, but man, if they didn't have a hard time with Brandon Ayuk too, I don't know. I can't help but think that uh, Joey Porter Jr. would have helped in that regard. Now, the good news about that, as we look about this and turn it forward in the next week, is that the Browns don't have a Brandon Ayuk. But they do have a Nick Chubb. So they've got to figure out how to stop the run first. And that's why I think Hayward, in addition to being the best player of the guys that was injured, is also the most critical absence. Because if Larry's not 100% and there's no Cam, man, it's just... Monty Adams and Keona Benton and DeMarvin Leal. And there's not a lot of, I mean, there is depth there. Armin Watson, Isaiah Laudermilk, and Braden Fonko's on the practice squad. They can still go you know, six deep, but there is no one that is going to take over a game the way that Camp Hayward can amongst that group of people. Yeah, you mentioned Fahoko right there. I know before the season you said he's going to play a couple games uh, for the Steelers. You would make that prediction. Well, we might see one immediately here in week two, and I think that he would be a guy that makes sense against 
a Nick Chubb led offense. Um, so, you know, we'll see if that comes to fruition, if Cam Hayward isn't able to go. Um, but another thing that I wanted to bring up, yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned the Joey Porter thing is because the, is that even something in your, like going into week two that you think could change? Because we didn't even see Desmond King active in week one, assuming he does get a helmet in week two. Like, is that really going to change? Is that like personnel based? You think like against Cleveland, that's why we would see it more. Like, where are we at with that? If Desmond King is now included into the week two game plan? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Desmond King just was not up to speed enough to play in this yeah. game. I don't think him not playing had anything to do with anything other than that. Maybe it is Desmond King that comes in and plays the slot. Some. Um, I think that Joey Porter Jr. needs to play more than he did. Like, I don't think he needs to start, but what do you get about, like, six snaps? It was not very much. And I think he needs more than that. Um, I think he would have helped against Ayuk. I think he would help against a guy like Cooper. I mean, not that Peterson can't cover him, but certainly um, dangerous guy there. There's another good mm-hmm. tight end, and then Joku. Um, they they got to figure some stuff out fast. I thought the linebackers might have been. I mean, I think Cole Holcomb was was bad. I thought Landon Roberts was. Really showed off. Like he was okay against the run, but man, like when he was in coverage, it was it was very very rough. And Juan Alexander, I thought, made a couple tackles, but it just none of those guys were around the ball. You know, there were just mm-hmm. far too many you know instances of a route being run, and the guy's just five steps away from where he's supposed to be. Uh, that kind of stuff can't happen. Uh, Holcomb talked about some communication problems. I think that it's not unexpected for us yeah. to hear we've talked about you know new three new guys at linebacker no Terrell Edmonds new guys at safety new guys at slot corner a lot of communicating happens in that part of the defense I can kind of see that but man like I said you gotta get stuff fixed quick there's not a lot of time you were pretty much right on the money it was seven snaps that Joey Porter played for this defense in week one um I wanted to ask you too. I know that you you wrote about this, but you know, anytime the offense struggles in Pittsburgh, where the finger is going to be pointed at first and foremost is Matt Canada. Let's talk about that for a second and why you believe that there shouldn't be as much blame there as the fan base wants to put there. Well, I mean, I, I kind of my tweet on, of my story was that basically, no matter what happened this season, if the offense was good, people were going to say it was because of Kenny, and if the offense is bad, people were going to say it was because mm-hmm. of Canada. And I thought the reaction, like if you're talking about any part of this offense from last night and why it was bad, um, the offensive coordinator is the very last place you should point blame because there were plays to be made by just about everyone on that roster and they didn't make them. And it's not his fault they didn't make them. And if you want to talk, like the one thing that I think that I was actually going to write that I thought he didn't do a very good job was I was a little in the game sitting there in the press box talking to Nick Farabaugh I, I kind of questioned the play calling sequence. I thought like the early, like first and second down, there just weren't mm-hmm. to me very many plays that had the prospect of being chunk plays. It just felt very much like they were settling for like those three to five yard plays kind of early. And then I just looked at what the 49ers ran and they ran the exact same freaking plays. It was yes. the same script. It was like you had two coordinators calling from one play sheet. They were all the same stuff. So 
what am I going to say? Kyle Shanahan isn't good enough? No. I think the 49ers are better at this than the Steelers are. And uh, I think that's that was, was made very clear. But, you know, like if you start to look at what's going wrong with these plays and really start looking at the film, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, the, the <laughs> technically a pop pass to uh, – Calvin Austin on the second play of the game, but it's basically a jet sweep, right? Like, oh, the jet sweep never works. First of all, wrong. But second of all, the reason this one doesn't work is because Pat Frymuth doesn't move when the ball gets snapped, and the guy goes right past him without him ever leaving a finger on him. I guess he got the snap count. I don't, that's the only thing I can think of. Maybe he didn't hear the snap count. I, I don't know. But he just had no reaction to the snap. He, you can see he kind of turns and looks at, uh-oh, you, you know, the old lookout block. Like, I... That's all you need to wreck a running play. It doesn't have anything to do with anything other than the Steelers' failure to execute. When you have Deontay Johnson wide open, I mean wide open, and multiple times in that game, and Kenny Pickett is missing him by so much that he can't even get his hand on the ball, like that's no mm-hmm. one's fault other than the quarterback. You know, like yeah. that's, that's just not. When, when you have – you know, plays where Pickett doesn't have enough time to make a second projection when he's got a guy why like somebody fell and Calvin Austin is just running free. And by the way, that guy running free is like a guaranteed touchdown because ain't nobody catching him. And he doesn't even have time to turn to his left and make a throw because Dan Moore whiffed on his block. Like there's none of that is on the coordinator. I'm sorry. I don't think Matt Canada has been a very good offensive coordinator as coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was just fine yesterday. He, he, there's no, there is no real criticism you can make of that man for yesterday's game. It was fine. It, everything's all you can ask of a coordinator is to put players in position to make plays. He did that. They didn't. Now, at some level, does he deserve? You know, he needs to be responsible for Kenny Pickett's development. Yes. If it turns out that just Kenny Pickett is floundering and not getting better and not improving as a player. And maybe we can put that on Canada's shoulders. But I'm not ready to say that right now. I'm ready to say that Kenny Pickett was bad in that game, though. And I think that's more about Kenny Pickett than anybody else. Yeah, I would agree. And I think my biggest criticism with Canada, and this isn't even like just yesterday, I think it's including you know, his entire tenure in Pittsburgh. And we've talked about this building a passing attack off the motion stuff. 70% of the time the Steelers run motion since he's become the offensive coordinator, it's a run. So like... You know, you had Patrick Peterson talking about San Fran with their tells. That's going to be a tell when you see a guy in motion that the Steelers are probably going to run the football. Yeah, they've been doing more, actually, motion. Um, you know, we saw some of that. I can't remember if there's a name for it that people have come up with now where you sort of start empty and then motion the running back into the backfield. They've been doing that a good bit. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I, I just – most of the time, most teams know what's coming. TJ can sit there and call out run pass 100% of the time. Like, they, they know. And, like, TJ's a freak, a mental freak, in addition to being a physical freak. But, like, the other guys know, too. Like, they know what's coming most of the time. You have to execute to win NFL games. And, you know, I saw somebody say something like, yeah, but, you know, I haven't seen any creativity from Canada. I haven't seen them fooling people. How many times has the Steelers defense fooled in that game? How many times did you see after the play Steelers defense just kind of looking at each other like, what happened? I don't know. I don't know what, what did the 49ers run a single play they haven't run before in that game? No, not a single one. Did they do anything differently that we haven't seen 
schematic changes, nothing. It's all the same offense they've been running, and they just executed it better. They didn't fool the Steelers. They, they just beat them. And I, I think that, you know, like that's not to excuse that, like, the coordinators never need to, to win, quote, unquote. But if you have a good team, they don't. And I think it's pretty clear the 49ers are one of those right now, and the Steelers are not. Alan, it's just one week, but there's uh, a certainly one player on the team that was frustrated following this loss. A lot of them, I'm sure, were. But George Pickens may or may not have liked an Instagram comment saying about there's nobody to get him the ball. Um, what do we make of it? First off, could this be a shot? Okay, say this is George. Is it possible this is a shot at the man we just talked about in the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, not the quarterback? No, I mean, I think it's pretty clearly a shot at the quarterback, <laughs> if, if it's a shot at anyone. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. George said that, well, what George said didn't make any sense, but he yeah. basically said that he didn't know how it happened. Mm-hmm. And then he said that there's no comments on his Instagram, which is not true. And then yes. he said that you you can't even add him, and then all of a sudden the comment disappeared. So, like, whatever. And clearly... I mean, I, it doesn't matter to me. I, I, I don't think it's relevant, but um, look, George is pissed. And most of the people on that team are pissed. It was funny because Nick Fairbar wrote that story last night. We were going back and forth like, what should the headline be? And it's like, the problem is, is that the headline, if you say it honestly, is going to sound like, duh, like George Pickens frustrated about Steelers passing offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know how he's. How many Steelers are frustrated? All of them. That's who's frustrated. I mean, you can substitute whatever word you want for frustrated, pissed, uh, you know, furious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they all apply to all 53 plus the practice squad, plus probably like some old Steelers sitting at home. I heard Trey Essex on the radio this morning. He sounded furious too. He ain't been on the team in 10 years. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're, they're mad. Like, that's, that's not a headline necessarily. Now, I guess when you go putting stuff that's not very complimentary about your teammates on social media it becomes one but it's not a surprise to me and it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that people are are po like yeah they are they should be and it's probably not a bad thing that they are yeah i mean you know they go out month next monday night completely flip the script and win uh all is going to be well again so i think the biggest disappointment for me i you know, on the opposite end, I picked the 49ers to win this game. I think it's more the way that it happened. I mean, we they just got bullied on both sides of the football. I don't know other, how other else to say it. Bully ball on both sides of the football from the 49ers in their home stadium in their first home opener. Well, first time they've opened at home since 2014. I just I expected there to be much more juice. I don't even know if I would say they were they were bad, obviously, but how flat they were on both sides of the ball was more frustrating than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that that, that's like a cause and effect thing, I think, probably. You know, I think if you're better, you have more juice. Um, But yeah, they did not look like the more ready-to-play team. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's – like, I've been very complimentary of Mike Tomlin's preseason process. I feel like he deserves credit for the way that it – led them to upset victories in each of the last two seasons. Do you remember last year, though? Like, they went on the plane, and Mike Tomlin bought everybody Black Air Force Ones, and, you know, there Mm -hmm. was this sort of 
energy, a little bit of cockiness about being overlooked and that this team was going to do something. Now, TJ gets hurt in that game, and even though they win, kind of all the wind goes out of the sails of that feeling. But I never felt that way about this team from the minute they ran out of the tunnel. Did you? No. Absolutely no, not. No. And even as good as they were in the preseason, I feel like there was – a bit of a disconnect there in terms of just the energy level of the guys and in the way they were going about their business. So like I said, you know, I, I'm giving Tomlin a lot of credit. I think those, those Buffalo and Cincinnati wins are ones that, that maybe you can sort of more than, than usual give to the head coach. I think this one more than usual, you got to give this loss to the head coach, especially considering the equipment issue. I mean, if there is one thing that you can absolutely say this is the head coach's fault, it is a team not having the proper equipment to, to be its best to play the game. I mean, that is absolutely the head coach's fault. Yeah, I mean, I miss a lot, like, when I'm at games, especially, like, doing stuff afterwards and stuff. I didn't even know that that happened, so – that's insane for me to hear. If they were going to have the wrong equipment, it should have been black Air Force ones that they had on. <laughs> Just play the game in black Air Force <laughs> ones. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, apparently they came out in the wrong cleats. And uh, San Francisco didn't have a problem. The Steelers were falling all over the place. And three big yeah. slips in the first quarter was, I mean, it was like 10 points. Like, I mean, it was mm -hmm. like huge factor in the game it's not like like I, it, it does not excuse all the other bad things that happened but it was a major right. thing that happened in that game like if you want to talk, like, you know like somebody could get fired for that like that that's that's how bad that is and i'm not a person that advocates for that lightly at all you're never going to hear me say that um mm -hmm. that's that's how bad that is at home should never ever happen i i don't get it i don't understand it but uh, Alan, unless you got anything else, we can no. Let's um, let's. Here's the thing: we've got good stuff, but this is such mm -hmm. a downer episode that I think I just want to leave it right here. Okay, so yeah. tomorrow I got, uh, I, I I went out parking lot surfing and I found a Steelers afternoon ride that you are all going to yes. love. Yeah, and I got the whole story behind it. I talked to the owner. But this is too big of a downer of an episode for us to go there. So we're going to let this sit here as like the 24-hour rule, right? And then we'll come mm -hmm. back tomorrow with a little palate cleanser about uh, an awesome vehicle that I can't wait to share with you guys. I've seen that. it. Uh, there are a couple images of it on Alan's Twitter, but it's not the full picture. Like, there's several images that we got here that weren't put up. So I'm excited for you guys to see this. It is the black and gold standard for what we are looking for from the Steelers afternoon drive. So Alan, tell the people where they can find you. At A Saunders underscore PGH on X at PGH Steelers now there and on YouTube, which is where this story lives. We've got George's bizarre dinnery did thing. I'm up one video up here right on the feed. Uh stuff from Kenny Pickett after the game last night. Stuff from Mickey Fitzpatrick after the game last night is coming. Um uh, and uh, SteelersNow.com, that's where the words live. Read those so I can get paid. Also, subscription, SteelersNow, SN Plus. That's how you get a, uh, That's how you have to get all Derek Bell stuff. And uh, we're going to be rolling out some more kind of exclusive subscriber benefits. So if you're into that kind of thing, if you're into the real nitty-gritty football stuff, check it out. It's definitely worth uh, your money. 
All right. And I am Zachary Smith, PGH, on everything, including I begrudgingly say X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, subscribe here. Leave us a like here. Hit that notification bell right below us as well and comment down below. Uh, give us your thoughts on anything that happened. What went wrong for this team? Actually, it'd be easier to say what went right. Uh, everything went wrong for this team. But give us your thoughts as well. We'd love to hear those. If you're listening somewhere else besides YouTube, leave us a five-star review there. And for Alan Saunders, Zachary Smith, we'll be back tomorrow. But until then, thanks for jumping in and taking another ride. I'll see you guys afternoon drive. See ya. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line.